This morning, it's Friday already, and uh, for me, that means just one more sleep, one more sleep until I head out to Israel, and uh, I'll be sleeping on Turkish Airlines tomorrow night on the way to Israel. And you know, I I've I really enjoy flying on Turkish Airlines, uh, especially coming out of uh, Boston. Uh, flight over. Now, when you get over in Turkey, flights within the country, I mean, just the way they look, it's, it's a different feel, but they're friendly. The food is fantastic. Uh, they give you this little night pack kit thing that you can put these things over your eyes and put earplugs in and uh, all those things of that nature. So uh, I... Uh, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to to that flight. Uh, questions asked: When will I be back on the fifteenth of the fifteenth uh, of May? So it's going to be a couple weeks before I'll be back on here because uh, I just I can't uh, I can't do that. I can't uh, 
be over there and uh, be focused. And plus the time difference, it's what seven or eight hour time difference. So, um, you know, just, just, it would be in the middle of the day and we're going to be out doing stuff. So yeah, the 15th, that's when it will be. So anyway, Hey, we're in Acts chapter four and I'm going to get us over into Acts chapter four here pronto, uh, picking up on what was taking place yesterday, uh, in the text. Peter and John have been arrested for the miracle that they had done uh, and uh, actually that Jesus had done through them. Let's be accurate about that. And uh, for the message that they had proclaimed, they end up being released from prison because uh, the leaders realized that imprisoning Peter and John probably was ca- was going to cause quite some consternation with uh, the people who were believing as a result of what they were doing. Uh, and so after they release, we pick up here, verse 23. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand, and the rulers gather against the Lord and against his anointed one. Now that's from Psalm 2. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they was meet, where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Verse 29, you see them praying, enable your spirits, try it again, enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Verse 31, just two verses later, we see the answer to that prayer. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Now, I'll come back down to that. and we'll spend a little bit of time looking at those few verses there. But uh, going up to the beginning, you notice what happened. Uh, afterwards, they could have sat and said, hey, let's take coffee and uh, let's eat mandazi and let's uh, they probably eat that type of thing in Israel. Uh, I'll let you know. Uh, they could have come back and commiserated and how bad the government and how bad the religious, blah, 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 you know, all, like we do in our day. But what did they do? They came back, and on their release, uh, they prayed. They raised their voices together in prayer. And what if we were to raise our voices together in prayer? We should raise our voices together in prayer. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, uh, David. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? Now, you know, this this 
particular aspect uh, that we're looking at here in verse 25. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? This is going to get worse, I believe. You know, if if we will give a, a quasi-Christian message that is all-inclusive of the alphabet uh, in, in this whole sexual malaise that we're in in, in this period in time, uh, they'll accept it. But if we continue to hold out the truth on things like theirs, they're there for the most part. I mean, there are very small percentages, perhaps, of people born that have some um, uniquenesses in how they are born. Uh, and that is a true fact. That's a medical fact that there are some people who are born that, you know, their uh, their body parts perhaps both displaying both uh, both genders. I mean, there there is a small and someone corrected me on that. A good brother at one point in time. But it's a very small number, but it is a real number. However, by and large, I mean, men and women, that is how we're born. I was watching a thing yesterday from Mr. Rogers, of all people, uh, and it was, uh, I don't know, his, his earlier years, and he said, boys will be boys and girls will be girls. You'll always be boys. You'll always be girls. It's very interesting to watch that Uh and I don't remember who who had posted that now, but but just the thought: as long as we're willing to not say things like that, we're accepted. As long as we're willing to say, "Hey, Jesus doesn't care about your sexuality," we'll be accepted. But when we speak the truth, or here's the other one: May first, I would encourage you next week, May first, to go to what day is that? Monday to go over to the legislature. There is a big hearing about this abortion bill that's being proposed, uh, and I would encourage you to go to Augusta, Maine, on uh, on Monday, uh, maybe even today, try to get on the docket, uh, what is it, Bill LD 1619, uh, which will allow abortion right up to birth here in the state of Maine. That is murder, friends. That is murder. Uh, even saying things like that is not acceptable in our day. And so what happens is the nation's rage, the people plot in vain. And as long as we're willing to toe the line of what culture wants us to say here in America, uh, then we're acceptable. But when we begin to hold out God's truth, like the truth about abortion and like the truth about the sexual identity and all those different things, um, the nations will rage. The people of the state will rage against the message. I tell you, I believe the day is coming. The fact is already here. The true Christian message, the gospel, and all that it entails is going to be less and less palatable, less and less acceptable. Some of you who are older, who have been Christians for 50 years, can remember the days maybe 60 years, maybe 70 years, when when the church had a prominent place, the church no longer has a prominent place in, in society and in culture, even large megachurches. By and large, in American culture, even the large megachurches with 20, 30, 40,000 people don't necessarily have the impact on the whole of, of American culture as what we might think because culture is becoming cold to Christianity. 
We live not only in post-Christian day, but I believe we're going to live increasingly in anti-Christian days. It's going to happen. And so the nations will, will rage as Peter quotes here and John quote, or as the people pray, it doesn't really say who's saying it other than they raised their voices together and said these things. Verse 25, why do the nations rage, the people's plot in vain, the kings of the earth take their stand, the rulers gather against the Lord and against his anointed one. <clears throat> Friends, I believe the day is coming when, when <clears throat> we're going to require an extra measure of boldness. I mean, there are places in the world where uh, the church has to meet covertly. Uh, and in those places, actually, the church is quite strong. Their faith is strong. Their trust in Jesus is strong. Their evangelism, their witness is strong. Uh, but they, they worship together with the reality. I don't want to say in fear, but I do want to say with the reality that they could be caught. And if they're caught, they could be captured. If they're captured, they could be killed. There are places like that in our world. Now, I don't know that it's going to get that bad here in America, but I do know, and you watch, especially right now, certain politicians, without naming parties, certain politicians certainly shake their fist in the face of God on issues like abortion. Friends, I would encourage you today, look up your your legislator if you live here in Maine. Look them up. Call them today and say, look, I understand, and make sure the bill, it's LD 1619. Maybe Don can verify that that is Bill 1619, LD 1619, the abortion bill. They're not going to call it the abortion bill. They're probably going to call it something else about women's Women's health care or something. I, I don't recall what the name of the bill is. Um, I'm looking it up real fast. Don might beat me to it. No, it's not 1619. Here it is. Oh, yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, W-A-B-I-5, uh, and this is what they call it. Let me just read this to you so you hear it. It is called uh, a bill to expand reproductive rights for women and access to abortion services in the state, allowing for abortions later in pregnancy beyond the point of fetal viability. Uh, the bill LD 1619, sponsored by uh, Rachel Talbot Ross, and the Senate President Troy Jackson appears guaranteed of passage as majority House members and Senate are listed as co-sponsors. Uh, it, it's wrong. Th this is wrong. This this is just flat out sinful. And uh, uh, you can see what you need to do. In fact, I, I will tell you. I give you some details. It's that important. I need to give you some details here real fast. Um, let me look something up here. Uh, um, 
Yeah, speak up for life. Uh, public hearing is Monday, 5-1 at noon. Uh, and I will share a link that uh, on my Facebook that you can you can go to and that you can participate. I encourage participation. This is a big deal. Uh, and God will bring judgment as a result. I believe that. If we find it, um, if we find it, uh, here, I'll, I'll put a link to, I think I can do this. It might not let me. I don't know. Paste? No, it won't let me in my program paste. But if you go to, uh, just put in uh, Governor Janet Mills introduces abortion bill in your Google search and it will bring something up. The nations will rage uh, and they will rage against us. They will rage because we are taking our stand. And it says the kings of the earth, the legislators, the governors, uh, the rulers will gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. As we think about taking the lives of children this way, that's exactly what happens. I don't want to lose focus completely here and uh, miss where we need to get in this text. Verse 27 says this. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people uh, of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Notice the prayer. Speak your word with great boldness. What if we as a church came together and during our worship service prayed intently that we would all have boldness to share about Jesus? The Lord might just hear that prayer. The Lord might just answer that prayer, even as he did here in this passage, and grant that boldness. They said to him, stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. I mean, they wanted to see the, uh, the, the healing. They wanted to see the miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. You know, there is a big difference, I think, uh, and this is one of the things that we kind of debate about some people um, between a person who uh, would claim a gift of healing or the gift of, of the miraculous uh, and just simply the prayers of the believers praying for God to stretch out his hand and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of Jesus. I think there's a big difference. And I think we should pray, honestly for the Lord to stretch out his hand to heal, perform miraculous signs and wonders, to do miraculous things, to turn this bill around. LD 1619 uh, would perhaps be a miraculous thing. And uh, so I, I just, we need to pray for a miraculous thing to happen. Now, if it doesn't happen, if it doesn't get turned around, the Lord has allowed it to happen, uh, and I believe it will bring greater judgment upon the state of Maine, eventually. God will say, I, I cannot stomach this, and bad things will happen. I'm not saying they're going to ensue immediately, but I, I, I do think that bad things will perhaps come as a result. Um, our state is increasingly less friendly in many ways to the gospel. 
and less sympathetic to the teaching of the Word of God. So we should pray all the more uh, for boldness. We should pray for God to work in ways that substantiate who he is. Yes, I know, I know, I know we have the Bible. We don't need anything else. Yes, we do. Uh, And God has provided. In fact, the Bible itself speaks about the other things that God has provided to substantiate his identity. Paul writes about it in uh, Romans chapter 1. When he speaks about creation, verse 18, and, and, and how creation itself bears witness. What we read in Psalms, Psalm 19, creation itself bears witness. We have the word of God as the most reliable witness, the most clear witness, but we also have the witness of our own testimonies. We have the witness of the created things. Uh, we have the witness of God working in, in phenomenal ways. All of these things point to the Lord Jesus Christ and we should uh, be encouraged and strengthened by those things. Now, looking down at this passage at verse 31, it says, After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. It, says, it doesn't just say some were filled. It says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Well, that we would be those Oh, that we would be in the place where, where the place where we're meeting would be shaken. That the, the, the fervency of our prayers would be so great that God would be pleased to show up in magnificent fashion. I would take it. Uh, I wouldn't resist it. I would think it would be phenomenal to experience what they experienced in Acts chapter 2 or what they experienced here in Acts chapter 4, to see God show up in an unmistakable fashion. Friends, you should pray for your church that way, that God would show up in unmistakable fashion. Now, again, to you theological people, I know he's there, but for him to move, uh, and I say that, you theological people, because I believe God is always present with us, but when he says, okay, your prayers have been fervent, and I'm going to move in significant fashion, God does that, but... He does it in answer to fervent prayers. Oh, that we would pray fervently. Oh, that we would be like the Acts Church, seeing God work mightily and powerfully. You know, and I don't necessarily care to have to see miracles of all the healings and things, although for our dear friends that are going through things, certainly I would pray for that. But how about the miraculous of seeing Dozens of people come to faith in Jesus Christ. How about the miraculous of seeing the Spirit of God seize upon a town in such a way that uh, that, that, that the town becomes noted as a Christian town? They used to speak disparagingly of moral and call it Christian Valley. Uh, and, and that was kind of a, a poking fun. But what if we really were and not not Christian in our morality and going around all smugly like, look at me, I'm this good Christian. But the power of God was so uh, pervasive and so present. Yeah, hearts mended, lives not only restored, lives rescued and put in a place they've never, ever even been before. Oh, verse 31, they prayed, the place they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word boldly. Not that just Pastor Jacob would be uh, 
strengthened to speak the word of God boldly, or some of your elders would be strengthened to speak the word of God boldly, but that all of us would be strengthened to speak the word of God boldly. Now, let's continue. Let's finish out this passage. It says, all the believers were one in heart and mind. They, they, they were one in their prayers. They prayed together, and God showed up in magnificent fashion. Uh, and it says, no one claimed that any of his possessions was, was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. What about powerful preaching? What about powerful witnessing? I mean, this is speaking about empowered testimony. Would you be willing to give a testimony? Would you pray for the Holy Spirit to empower you as you give your testimony? If we can't give our testimony in church to one another, then we're certainly not going to be prepared to give our testimony to the unbelieving world. We need to get comfortable giving our testimony to one another and, and to seek and pray that the Lord would pour out power as we testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And it says, much grace was upon them all. Oh, that we'd pray there'd be much grace upon us all. Then verse 34 says this, there were no needy persons among them for from time to time, those who had, uh, those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money in from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone as he had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Here's the example of Barnabas. Barnabas and Paul would go out and they would uh, preach the gospel in many places. But when you look at what happened here, I mean, they were parting with possessions uh, to help those in the body of Christ. And that's what we should do. We see the need. Now, it isn't that it has to be centralized through the church office necessarily, and I think there's some of both that we read in this passage. I think there's some that they just gave to each other to help each other, and then there's also, uh, I believe, in verse 37, uh, a centralized aspect where he had a significant sum of money and he put it at the apostles' feet. I think that both of these things can happen and and do happen uh, and are, are a good thing when the body just simply as a small group reaches out and they take care of one another. Uh, that's the church at work. Uh, when someone sells uh, a property and says, I'm selling this property or a car or they have uh, a big yard sale or whatever and, the, and they bring the money in and just put it, in the benevolence fund, if you want to call it that, and we will call it that, deacons fund, benevolence fund, you'll be hearing more about that in the life of our church uh, at Veracity. Uh, we're we're going to come back to that. We used to have a Sunday designated, and we're looking at perhaps the fifth Sunday as a designated Sunday. Every month there's five Sundays, and we will we would need to give you a reminder but that would be the time to bring in not only your regular tithe, but an extra sum of money uh, to put into a separate uh, offering as a deacon's offering or a, a benevolence offering <clears throat> so that the elders and deacons can help people as they have needs. And we do those types of things. You just We don't talk about it a lot, but uh, people do get help. We do get people fuel oil. We do, we, we do help 
some people when they travel, uh, we like to hospitals and things like that. We do help people um, sometimes with the repair of a car, or we do help people sometimes when they're hard pressed and have a real need. We do that in the life of our church, and you, you can't talk about well, we help so and so, or because th- there goes the privacy of the whole thing. But you do need to know that. Uh, I mean, even. I'm not even sure if it's been this winter or last fall, but I mean, there have been several thousand dollars that have have gone out to help people, uh, and that does happen. But what if it happened even more in the life of the church? Well, there were wonderful things. There were powerful things happening in the early church, and I believe it's for us to pray that God would continue to do those types of things even in our midst, that we would be bold in witness that God would be answering prayers in significant fashion, that his name would be honored and glorified, and that people would come in droves to faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, that's our prayer. Would your spirit fall powerfully upon us at Veracity, as well as all the various churches represented here. Lord, we want to see the power of the spirit at work for the honor of and glory of Jesus. And Lord, may you begin today in each of us. That's our prayer. Lord, hear our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, friends, I'll be back and I will see you here uh, in a couple weeks. I'll be back uh, broadcasting on May 15th. Uh, You'll be watching Facebook. Uh, You'll likely see some posts from me from Israel. Have a great day. Have a great few weeks, everybody. Love you all. Bye.